Are you sitting at home, all alone? Meet somebody tonight. Hello, what do you want to do? One, it seduces you. Do you do this a lot? Call that number. This is my first time. Say, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. Two, it infects you. Don't you think this rash is pretty bad to get after like 12 hours? We will not know anything until the lab results come back in. Three, it consumes you. What do you think it is? Poison. This is worse than poison. But there are evil forces out there. Forces sent to kill you. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 249. Out now in the US on DVD and worldwide on video on demand is The Black String, a horror mystery that stars Frankie Muniz as a lonely young man who stumbles into a strange conspiracy that tests his psychological breaking point as dark forces close in. Or do they? Filled with fine performances and dripping with paranoia, The Black String is an engrossing exploration into that fine line between madness and the supernatural. And I'm glad to say that joining me now is the film's director, Brian Hanson. Brian, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. First of all, let me just say to you, thank you for your service. You come from a background of military service. I just wanted to put that out there first. Um, and I just wanted to follow up that question with... Usually my experience when talking with filmmakers who have served um, in, in the army, I just, in, in fact, even before uh, you and I talked, I was speaking to another uh, filmmaker who had served as well. Um, usually their first projects are based on their experiences of war or experiences in the material, uh, military. In regards to the back, black string, that certainly does not do that. Um, I'm, so I'm just curious, what was the genesis of, of this story that you put together for us that is available now for us to see on video on demand? Well, it's, you know, maybe, you know, maybe my next project could be military themed, but this was actually kind of written before I went into the army. Okay. So that's, that would be the, uh, the quick, you know, it was closer to in the film, you know, Jonathan Frankie Muniz, I was closer to that world, a guy in the suburbs, you know, looking, looking for adventure or to break out and do something different. So my buddy, uh, we were bartenders in Hollywood here, you know, doing the bartending and making short films sort of lifestyle. So we wanted to make a micro-budget film very much inspired by Primer, like Shane Carruth's Primer. We thought we could get five, ten thousand bucks together and Andy would star in it and I would direct it. So we, we wrote, I don't know, maybe 45, 50 pages of, uh, the, of the black string. We just couldn't pull it off. Um, at that time, he started a family in Florida. I joined the army. So when I came back, I told I went to uh, Mount St. Mary's here in Los Angeles, a film program, and I met Richard Hanley, who's also a veteran, a Navy veteran, and a doctor. And I told him about the Black String, and he on just you know during lunch, and and several months later, he was like, I kept thinking about that story about that kid that um, goes on that blind date, and then. You know, he, he gets infected and he and he thinks that, you know, there's this witchcraft coven, you know, conspiracy, but his friends and family, you know, think it's he's losing his marbles, you know, mental illness. I keep yeah. thinking about that. We should team up and make that a feature film as our thesis project. So this idea that Andy and I had, had uh, carved out, you know, eight years prior came back to life when Richard Hanley got excited about it. And we dove in as a thesis project, and it just grew from there. 
When it comes to putting together a film like this, uh, what we could say is like a mind-bending kind of film, there are so many ways you can go with that. How did you and Richard kind of approach doing that here? I mean, was it a case of just spitballing as many ideas as you can and kind of chipping away at it? Or is it a case of, of just layering one thing on top of another, on top of another, until you got to a point where you were satisfied with what you had in front of you? You know, we, um, again, from the, from the inception of it, Andy and I very much wanted a movie that you people would talk about when they were done. And, they, and two people who watched the movie would have different opinions on the outcome, you know, how it ended. So I would say it was a binary approach. It was, let's do a scene or a sequence that is fully committed to the mental illness angle or the addiction, mental illness, depression. And then in, an, in the next scene and or sequence, let's now fully commit to the occult, supernatural angle. That's how we approached it. You know, um, three scenes on, three scenes off, three scenes on, three scenes off. And when Rich jumped in and really was able, as a father and a, a doctor, able to add a lot of um, expertise to the family issues and then the, the medical issues, he, he understood that that was the goal and we, we stayed with that. So we just wanted to like keep, it, it was a, it's a coin. We always said it's a coin. It's flipping in the air and then you'll decide which, a viewer will decide which side you know, it lands on. You mentioned before that when coming up with the concept of the movie that you were more kind of in, in the same kind of league of, of Jonathan uh, uh, described more as, as a slacker in, in a synopsis of the film. I think that's a way to go about it. And he's also from the suburbs as well. The setting of the film is interesting. I think horror films work really well. I mean, if you're going to go back to a lot of the origins of many horror subgenres, movie like Halloween, for example, these places are set, these films are set in the suburbs. What do you think it is the burbs in particular that kind of resonates not only with audiences, but make a perfect kind of backdrop for these for these kind of stories to unfold? I think because, you know, number one, I would say a majority of people probably grow up in an area that's more suburban. And so the suburbs are safe. You know, you're, you're a kid. It's for families. So it's supposed to be safe. That's why when a kid goes missing, you know, it's just it shakes the community or my God, you know, a, a kid drowns in, in the lake. It's just, it rocks the community because it's about little league and barbecues and elementary schools and high school proms. It's supposed to be safe. So when something tragic or evil um, or very violent happens, it just has a major impact, you know, you switch to the, the big city and you know, you watch taxi driver and you're like, yeah, that's what happens in New York city. Mm. You got, you know, maniacs out there. So, we grew up in the suburbs. Um, the movies that we grew up on, you know, Goonies. You know, you, you, there's always the edge of the burbs. You know, it it follow. I'm sorry. Um, it it follows as well. But it uh, it and um, the Stranger Things, and you're seeing this whole return to the suburbs. Stephen King has always been very much in that sort of place. So there's now that everyone who grew up on that stuff, ET, right? I mean, all of it. Um, it, now that we get to make movies because we're older and have a, a little bit of money or people will give us a little bit of money, um, we're kind of bringing that back, I'd say, because it's happening across the board. Is it also <laughs> yep, is it, is it also that thing where there's a facade of, of innocence and purity to a suburb? 
from the outside it looks calm but we don't know necessarily what's happening behind a door of say number 22 on any type on any kind of street from anywhere from suburbs of australia to the suburbs of america absolutely and that's the fun of it right you know oh everyone lovely neighbors and lovely families but then late at night you hear just a very very um extreme argument coming from one house and it's like oh damn so our movie dives into that because it's once um Frankie slash Jonathan's parents are able to take him home and, you know, want to have a nice dinner with him. You see this argument break out and there's like, you know, old issues are brought up and you're like, you see exactly that sort of thing. Like, ooh, everything is not as calm as it appears. Um, another movie that, that is so fun, Tom Hanks is The Burbs, yeah. which is which which is also the other side of the coin in our movie. Who 1366 Dorrington Road, like, who lives in that house? What's going on in that house? And Jonathan starts to obsess, like Tom Hanks starts to obsess about that that house on his street. We uh, mentioned the character of Jonathan, played by Frankie Muniz. I mean, he delivers a really just terrific performances uh, performance here. Um, when did you first hear that he was interested in the role? At the very last minute, we had been casting with uh, Jeremy Gordon, Great, really cool casting director who brought a lot of good actors, very strong actors. And we had been through the process for like two weeks. We were ready to hire our, our guy. We were down to like three three actors we really, really liked. And then Jeremy Gordon called us and was like, hey, guys, before you hire anybody, let me just let me give you this name. Frankie Muniz wants to read for the role. And we thought he was kidding because – Frankie had, as far as I know, had been racing cars mm. and like wasn't wasn't acting anymore. I, it just it didn't. I thought he was kidding. Um, so we were like, absolutely, like let's let's have Frankie read without a doubt. He came in and he did such a great job. I think he had the script for twenty four hours, and um, he came back the next day because he lives in Arizona, so he drove out to Los Angeles. He came back the next day and just hit you know hit knocked it out of the park. And it was a no-brainer. You know, so much respect to those other guys that almost had the job. But it was like Frankie just brought his energy and charisma. And um, it, it just – it really kind of opened the role up even bigger than we thought because of, of his – how we know Frankie. And then you get to see the Frankie that America loves or the world loves descend in the, into madness in the black string. It, it makes it even more powerful. I agree 100% on that. When I was watching it, I was thinking that for such a long time, he was the face of a sitcom based in a middle America setting, based in the suburbs. Um, and then you see him now, older, uh, much more disheveled, um, slowly descending into a sort of madness. Maybe we know this, maybe we don't know this. That's the beauty of the film, the ambiguity of it all. And he just does a such a terrific performance with it as well and hits all the layers uh of, of the character and um, I, I think what's really impressive in regards to the whole movie was that you talked about the uh, two aspects of the film On one hand you're dealing with mental illness and the other hand you have a, a supernatural tale um, and I really love what you guys do here um, and I'm curious when you create this world of forces I'm not going to say what type of forces because I don't want to spoil anything but when you have these type of 
demonic forces, let's just say. Um, how when you create these things, are any of these things kind of based on actual myths that you have researched, or did you come up with these things yourself? I mean, there's this really cool aspect of the film where Frankie's character has a survival guide of sorts of how to <laughs> how to go through this thing. And I love to see this as a sort of a certain piece of merchandise in the future. By the way, um, we had a I don't know if you ever heard of a film that we've had here in Australia called The Babadook that came out a few oh, years ago. Love Babadook. Babadook is amazing. So in that film, they had uh, a book, the Babadook book in that movie, and they released limited copies of the book itself, which people can actually have and hold. And I love to see it's the, the Black String Survival Guide <laughs> uh, available uh, in a limited capacity, if that's ever something that you guys ever thought about doing, especially with Halloween coming up. When it comes to that whole aspect of the movie, how much of it is based on, on myth that you guys research, how much of it is something that you guys made up for the movie? Yeah, I'd say half and half. It was, it was based. You know, this movie is. Um, there's no spoilers. It's you know, there's occult mythology. You know, maybe witchcraft or occult themes for sure. So the gen again, the genesis um, of the story. There was, there was kind of a lot of things going on, but one thing is I had some really intense sleep paralysis experiences, which I think you know many people have experienced. It's a great documentary called The Nightmare or Nightmare. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. Re I'm sorry, have you? I have. Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah. So, so I, I wouldn't say anything that intense, but it's such a powerful, frightening experience. And it, just like our movie, there's a definite medical, you know, science explanation for being frozen and unable to wake up and kind of feeling like just incredibly powerful, evil, like, a presence in the room. There, there is a medical scientific explanation for what's going on, but it is so, so bizarre, such a strange feeling that it makes even the most logical person ponder what the hell is out there in the world or in another realm. So that the sleep paralysis, again, as this documentary would tell you, it's like, it's thousands of years old and there's been a lot of interesting explanations the old hag syndrome it's a witch that comes in the middle of the night and sits on your chest yep. chest to supplicate you you know the succubus that comes in to steal your soul um and and maybe more updated times it's alien abduction you know the aliens come in your room and they abduct you or they implant you so that was knowing the thousands of years even today to this like something comes for me in the middle of the night and it's such a powerful freaky horrifying experience um we we went with that occult approach from there we built the mythos of the black string and this and exactly as the book depicts great artwork by chris wicks um it depicts the mechanisms of the strategy that they use but i would say we were very much inspired by the old hag you know mythology the conclusions of the film, not to give away too much, it leaves open the possibility of future stories in regard in, in this world, in regards to the whole, just the, I'm not going to, again, I, I, I so want to just delve into certain things, I just don't want to give away things, but I guess my question is, is there any chance or possibility of sequels? To this movie horror films are known for their sequels i think this story is just so interesting so engrossing that it has the chance to really delve into some really cool avenues have you ever thought about maybe going down that road in regards to this film brian 
it is definitely a possibility because it's a whole world that we built. And uh, I think what and what I'm would be most excited about is sort of like Polanski has the apartment trilogy, or even um, JJ. I believe JJ Abrams has that uh, Cloverfield <clears throat> thing going, where it's like they're they, it's loosely tied together. Um, I think that our world, you can have different experiences within the world and, and they could even aesthetically film the next film could aesthetically be different, you know, but you know what world you're in, you know how it works. And, and there, there can be characters, uh, and, you know, the man in black, he's on the poster guy, people like that can, can come back into the story. So for every, everyone out there listening out now in the U S on DVD and worldwide on video on demand, people in Australia, you can watch this now on iTunes is the black string i love this movie i can't wait to watch it again so i can just pick up on the different clues that are just scattered throughout terrific performance by frankie muniz terrific world building and i think i dare say this is a future cult classic and just in time for halloween as well i think this is a type of film that you can have your friends sit around and watch it and just debate afterwards in regards to it in and i think that pretty much hits the aims that you had for the uh, film is that right brian Absolutely. Back in the days when there were video stores, I just remember that feeling of going through, you know, going to the horror sci-fi thriller, just indie section. And there's just everybody has that feeling of what, you know, I wish this movie were, you know, I wish there was this kind of movie, you know, and um, I just wanted to make the movie that I want to see on the video shelf or now you know, on the Netflix or the Amazon queue. And we're part of a family of movies of psychological thrillers that were very, you know, inspirational. You've got Jacob's Ladder, of course, Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion, The Tenant, uh, Black Swan, Donnie Darko. We can in some great ones that have come out recently. So we wanted to um, be part of that family because that's the kind of movie I like to watch. And again, debating and, and that's my, you know, my dad. <clears throat> And I would watch Stanley Kubrick movies and Twilight Zone episodes when I was young. And it was all about watching the movie or the show, but then talking about it for the rest of the night. That's, I wanted to do that and, and instigate some conversation or debate amongst filmgoers. And I think you've definitely done that. This is a terrific movie. The Black String out now. Everyone out there, check it out. Definitely in due time with Halloween season up here. And Brian Hansen, I congratulate you. Uh, on the movie and hopefully we get to talk again in the future for any uh, future projects you have as well absolutely look forward to it thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about the black string